It is the 200 level, episode 328. We're going to call this one Rinse and Repeat. It feels like every week when I come in for this midweek pod, essentially we're talking about the same thing. No momentum or a complete inability to really gather some serious momentum. And here we are on yet another week in the season wondering what the heck are we watching? A January that was promising despite a week schedule and now a February that is more vexing than anything and a team that is altogether difficult to root for. And to give you kind of some context as to where I was yesterday, I was going to do one of those live podcasts during the second half, but after the way the first half unfolded, I said, I I can't do it. I I don't want to do it. It's a beautiful Sunday, as you all saw. It was absolutely gorgeous outside. And I said, what I'm going to do is listen to the radio feed and do yard work. And that's exactly what I did. Credit to Brian Barnhart and Deion Thomas. They're great to listen to. We got within one, and I thought, wow, we're going to win this game. And then I can maybe do a post-game podcast or something like that. But then you allow Ohio State, I think, to go on a 10 nothing run was the total there to really put that game away. And when it mattered the most, you just kind of pissed down your leg against the 13th best team in the Big Ten. Now, before I go any further about that, we know that Ohio State is better talent-wise than the 13th best team in the Big Ten. So when I throw that out there, it is lacking a little bit of context because we know they have a first-round player in Sensabaugh. They have a really good point guard in Bruce Thornton who looks like he's 30 years old. But you still have more than they do, and you should have been able to win that game, especially considering, one, yeah, you were coming off an emotional win, but you would have thought that would have got this team mentally right. And then two, the fact that Ohio State themselves was coming off an emotional loss at home against Penn State. Instead, you lay an egg. Now, what does it mean long-term? I don't know if it means anything. But (laughs) I know for seeding, it doesn't help. And you're probably right now looking at an eight or nine seed. When I say long-term, what I mean by that is, would we have learned anything regardless yesterday? I don't know about that. But I do think that if Illinois would have come out and just won the game, By a point, like I texted Isaac and Trevor, if they just win the game by a point, I don't care. I really would rather kind of tune out and just let it be a sleepy Sunday game because you know what, fans, I'm sorry, every now and then we should be able to take a game off. That was a game against the team with the 13th best record in the Big Ten where you should have been able, as a fan, to sit back, relax, have your coffee and a late morning donut and not worry about losing by double digits to Ohio State. Alas, it's this Illinois team, and they're going to make sure, dadgummit, to make things far more interesting than they should be. But the problem is, as this season goes on, what used to be interesting is now simply annoying, and it's bordering on boring. The same narrative over and over. And as I was talking to Kara at dinner last night, she asked, well, you know, why did they lose today? And I said, hell, I... It's just what they are. And I said, honestly, the thing that frustrates me as much as what's going on the court is that I'd like to think that I can bring you all some fresh takes, for lack of a better word. Hopefully not hot takes, but fresh takes at least. But this team is not really allowing for a lot of that. What new narratives are there on February 27th that there weren't already on February 7th, 20 days ago? This is essentially the same thing over and over. 
And every time you want to believe, and God dang it, I so badly wanted to believe that there might be some corner turn or some switch flipped, not not from good to great, but just good to, okay, they're working up towards something, right? A fairly low bar to clear for a team with this talent. And I'll get to the talent thing later. But no, there's no momentum. We're just waiting for the NCAA tournament, and will they or won't they? Will they win two games in the tournament? How confident are you guys in it? I'm not very confident. Why would we be? Maybe they do, and then that's how we look back on this season. I would love for that to be the case. That would really fix a lot of what ails this team, or right now this program, which is to say this is a healthy program, but there's still a cloud lingering over us. I just don't think that this team right now is the one that's going to get you off of that March schneid. Sad to say. And the reason I think that is because you can't play two consistent games in a row where you feel really good about it. Closest thing you got was Indiana, Minnesota a week and a half ago. But even then, you followed it up with Northwestern sucking so badly in the first half that we wondered if this thing was broken or something. I can't figure it out. Brad Underwood can't figure it out. And I think that's the more troubling thing. And what we're going to do later is I threw this out there on Twitter. Let's talk about Brad Underwood. You know I'm a fan. You know that I think he can be the guy. I, I sincerely do. But I think it's okay to just question, okay, what is there about Brad Underwood that maybe you were unsure of or things that you want to see more of before you make some large declaration that he is, in fact, the guy for the long term? The win-loss record speaks for itself. Winning his team in the Big Ten the last four years, that is a stat that you can't scoff at and just say, well, it was Iowa and Kofi. Well, he brought Iowa and Kofi in. And this year, he was well on his way to being 12-8, and eight, probably looking more at 11-9 and nine now. And even in a down Big Ten, you will take this over the doldrums of the John Gross era. But I do think that the roller coaster, the valleys that you see from this team, lead to a discussion that you wouldn't have if they were just a ho-hum 11-9. It's not a ho-hum 11-9. It is a very, in the old days, they would have called it schizo, even though that's not really what schizophrenia is, or bipolar or anything like that. It is a team that has sort of split identities, and they cannot figure out what the hell they want to be consistently. And when you have a freshman, Ty Rogers, yesterday in the postgame saying, well, I think we thought we could overlook him. That is a problem. That's a culture problem. And whether it's the veterans you want to blame it on or Brad Underwood, it's worth talking about because I appreciate everything he's done. And I do think that there are far more things going for Brad Underwood than not, especially in terms of being able to attract talent to Champagne. But in-game, game prep, the X's and O's instead of the Jimmy's and Joe's, as Ron Zick would have said, maybe there was something to question there because as one tweet I'm going to get to later mentioned, since the Loyola game, I think we were all at a nine, nine and a half with Brad Underwood then. We thought, this is it. This is our guy. This is our team. But unfortunately, that loss was so detrimental to our own psyche as fans. And it has called into question whether or not there's always going to be this sort of albatross over the Underwood era. Winning a Big Ten title last year went a long way in rectifying that for me. Give me the banners, right? Give me banners of any kind and I'll hang them. But... I am starting to wonder if there won't have to be some tweaks, if there aren't going to be some changes that have to be made with the way that he runs his program. Because when this team is bad, they suck. And I don't think it has to be like that, even with all the new pieces, especially on February 26th when the game is played. 
I expected when we got into March, we'd be having a far different conversation than this. But instead, we're having the same conversation we had a month ago and two months ago. And it's kind of just getting droll. So I will try my best to make it interesting for a team that used to be interesting in their inconsistency. And now, like I said, it's just getting boring. Quit being so inconsistent. Pick a lane, guys. They won't. It is what it is, right? I already titled one episode that. This one's called Rinse and Repeat because what the hell? From King Abbott, man. He says he can't play two consistent halves or two consistent games, King Abbott. But you're right. Down at a micro level, that's exactly right. Or even yesterday in the second half. You get it within one, and then you immediately piss it away. So you can't play two consistent minutes sometimes. This is from Michael. And I'll say that, Michael, when we talk about Michigan. Uh, Smitty, if you could give a little more context to that Coleman comment there. I, I do have something about Coleman after I hit the sponsors about the culture piece of this. Because Coleman's actually been playing, I think, out of his mind. Good basketball. This is, reminds me of last February when Coleman really got on a heater and early March. And, yeah, he had his dunk yesterday. The second poster dunk that he's had in a couple weeks. But I'll get to this after the break. There's a thought that I have on that. Maybe this is going to be considered a hot take. I don't really know. But before I get to that, DPDO online at dpdo.com for all the best deals and prices, dpdo.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana, so uh, go online to dpdo.com. Order a custom zone with any toppings you want or one of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone. That is dpdo.com. Also, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it, Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well. We'll try to get Brian in here before the end of the season. Hopefully the season go a little bit longer than what we might expect right now. And, Lewis, I see your chat there, and I'm, I'm right there with you. But regardless, whether or not Brian can join us next week or the week after, you should go to brianismyguy.com, get some information because you get great state farm prices and excellent customer service to boot. That's Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com, your state farm agent. Finally, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. So this is a great deal they got going on. If you get a new Lennox Home Comfort System, you can get either your choice of $500 Visa gift card or a free water heater. Yeah, that's right. You get a new Lennox Home Comfort System. You might need it. We have an older one here at the house. We're half tempted. And then you get either a free water heater or $500 Visa gift card. So give them a call today at 841-4728. That's 217-841-4728 for Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. Also, Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Appreciate them and appreciate you. A few of you guys joining me on this Monday afternoon. A weird Monday with two tornado warnings at school. So we hunkered down for probably the grand total of an hour. And kids are great. Everyone kept their cool, but yeah, a tornado in February. It's Spring has sprung early, so just a weird, weird day. Okay, here is a thought that I have that I think speaks to the culture of this team. I like the way Coleman's playing. I've also been critical of Coleman earlier this season when I thought there was some sloppiness going on. I was especially critical the first half of the UCLA game, maybe to the point of being becoming personal about it, and that was maybe not my best moment as a tweeter or a commentator of Illini sports. But regardless, Coleman's playing good, really good basketball right now. And there is a possibility that he goes pro. I mean, he his measurables are there. He is... Certainly attractive to pro teams based on a lot of these things that we see in flashes, but really more consistently now. Not the best shooter, but he's starting to take it to the rim. Really good defender, 
really good rebounder, and he's playing with energy. And if I'm to give him credit, it's really him and Ty Rogers that I got to say are the two best players in the team right now. Let me rephrase. The two most consistent. And if you could have a team full of Coleman Hawkins and Ty Rogers, I think you'd be okay. But all that said, Coleman had a moment yesterday that I thought was a little bit indicative of where this culture is at and, and how this team, whatever the it factor is, the intangible factor for winning, it ain't there like it was in years past. Not to expect him to be Io or even Trent Frazier. But about five minutes after the game, I mean, it was within 30 minutes after the game ended, he retweeted his poster dunk. Now, that in and of itself is no crime. It was a pretty sick dunk. I'd be retweeting that myself, too. But I think what that shows, and unfortunately, it feeds into, this is low-hanging fruit, I apologize, but it feeds into this narrative that this team just doesn't care as much. Now, this is as meatball as I hope to get today, but you just lost to an Ohio State team that had been really bad in the last two months. The record speaks for itself. They were finding ways to lose games. When you got it within one, I thought we're winning this thing because Ohio State should have been on the precipice of folding yet again. But this Illinois team, they made sure, they made darn sure that they were going to do everything in their power to let Ohio State not just win, but win by double digits. And your holdover from years past, your guy that should be the veteran leader, and I know he's trying, within minutes of the game ending, gets back to the locker room, he retweets the dunk. You lost. You lost. So to me, it's a little bit frustrating. It is an anecdotal example, I think, of a team that just doesn't have the want to like years past. And this is as simplistic as analysis can get. But ask yourselves, how many teams has Illinois played this year that are just certifiably more talented than they are across the board? And you could certainly pick a handful because this Illinois team, yeah, they're talented, but I think we're starting to see those holes in the roster, especially the lack of point guard depth, and the lack of the ability to shoot the three. Major concerns, right? So as high as I was early on them, maybe that was a bit of fool's gold or a mirage, whatever cliche you want to throw out there. But I think the fact remains, this team tends to be more talented than most of the opponents they play. Indiana, I think more talented. Michigan, I'm afraid, coming up Thursday, I think they're more talented in the starting five. The way the Buffkins playing, they got a big... If Jet Howard comes back, and we'll get to the Michigan game to end this podcast. My point is this, though. Being talented than more teams than not, right? More, more of the teams that you play, you're talented. Let me rephrase this. Jesus. You are more talented than most of the teams you play. There we go. Simplistically speaking, I really feel like at this level, if you just play your ass off for the most part, the wins will come. We could argue that some of this is bad luck. Tony Perkins drops 30. Pickett scores 40 in one game. Trace Jackson Davis scores 35. It seems like every opponent has a guy that goes off for their high-scoring game of the year, including, I think, Thornton yesterday. Maybe that's bad luck. Maybe that's bad coaching. But I also get the feeling that if this team had any sort of consistent effort, and I do call into question consistent effort on this team, that their record would be better than what it is right now. But unfortunately, there's way too many no-show halves or no-show 10 minutes or yesterday after getting with it within one, a no-show three or four minutes after that. They just disappear. And some of it's schematic, but you know what? I think a lot of it is just want to. I don't know if that can be coached or instilled, but in year six of the Brad Underwood experience, and we'll get to Brad Underwood here in a second, I was a little more optimistic that the culture would be 
a little more firmly established by now, even with all the new pieces. But instead, we've had a very kind of haphazard up and down year, even more so than I think the most um, skeptical of fans might have thought. Take the Texas-UCLA games out of the equation, right? Let's just say you played two scrubs back then. Then maybe it is fair to say that we would not have these sort of lofty expectations and none of what happened the last two months would be a surprise. But I think going into the season, when you looked at the individual pieces on this roster, you would have thought if they can come together, this could be a pretty damn good team. I thought they would win the Big Ten. Whoops. Now, I didn't predict Purdue to do this. Indiana, they're starting to play really well as also. But um, this Big Ten, you did have an opportunity. You did. And you will now be playing on Thursday in the Big Ten tournament instead. There are worse lots in life. I do think perspective is important. I got to give Jeremy and Derek credit on their podcast yesterday for bringing that perspective. You will, unless you completely collapse, be making your fourth NCAA tournament in a row. I will count the one three years ago during COVID. Not the team's fault. They would have been probably been a seventh seed or something. So you will make your fourth NCAA tournament in a row. That is different. That shows the bar has been raised. Gross could only do it once out of five years. So yeah, Brad Underwood's certainly an improvement. And you also got to consider what he inherited, which was not great. He turned it around. He won a Big Ten tournament title and a Big Ten regular season title. Really should be two regular season titles. Could be three if they could find a way to beat Ohio State or Maryland. Ugh. Teams in red, not named Wisconsin. Go figure. But as it stands, there is more good than bad, and yet this team is so vexing because you've raised that standard. I think Brad Underwood would be the first one to admit that this season has not gone according to plan. And I think most of us would agree with that too. I don't think we need to talk ourselves back into, on February 27th, talk ourselves back into this sort of, well, there's all these new pieces. And no, 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 no. Guys, we're four months into the season almost. It should have coalesced by now. It should have coalesced into something more than what we saw yesterday or the first half against Northwestern. It should be better than that. Who's that on? And are you willing to give a mulligan, right? Or is this, in fact, the bottom for Brad Underwood now that he's got things established here? I think all those things could be possible, right? I think all of them are fairly reasonable. But the larger point, and why I asked the question on Twitter today, what is your confidence level in Brad Underwood? The larger point I was asking there is because now, for the first time, really, I think there might be some genuine concerns. And it's okay to air them and not be called a hater, Fairweather fan, any of that. I only got a couple of those on Twitter today. Thank the Lord. Maybe I've muted enough people. I'm not sure. But it's an okay question to ask. Now, real quick here. uh, This is from Michael. I want to hit up the Michigan game real quick before I get into the Brad Underwood discussion. I don't think we beat Michigan. I don't like the matchup. I don't like it now. I hate the fact that they got the three-pointer to send that game to overtime against Wisconsin. Thank you, Gray Guard. Not. The one time I want Wisconsin to win to maybe help improve our two wins against them, they find a way to lose at Chrysler Arena. Wisconsin fans go on Twitter after a, a loss and see how Wisconsin fans are reacting to Gray Guard. They have every reason to be pissed off that that accountant-looking guy, no offense, mom and dad, my sister, but accountant-looking guy, dentist, not really basketball coach looking, is really running that program in complete mediocrity. I love it, but yesterday I actually wanted them to beat Juwan Howard in Michigan. 
Instead, they refuse to foul down, uh, foul up three, and then that leads to Hunter Dickinson. Ah, Hunter, with a 35-footer to tie it, send it overtime, and they win. Michigan is playing good ball right now. They are, without Jet Howard, who I think will be back Thursday. Kobe Bufkin is playing really good ball at point guard. Well, point guard, I guess he's more of a creator. You got Doug McDaniel as their prototypical Jawan Howard, five foot eleven point guard. But Kobe Bufkin can do the Jared Hood, uh, Jalen Hood Shafino thing. Not quite as well as Hood Shafino, who was incredible Saturday night and is just playing out of his mind, but pretty damn well. I don't like that matchup for Illinois. Sincere is going to have to show up and, and play a lot and play a lot on Kobe Bufkin. And factor in that Hunter Dickinson, a big against an Illinois team right now that Dane Danger's lost. Maybe it's just a few games of a funk. Maybe he snaps right out of it, but he's been really bad. And when you have to take him out of the Ohio State game, I think they should have fed him far earlier, try to get him involved early. But he was also getting p- beat him and uh, Epps. That defensive combo was killing you right now when there's a guy like Thornton. There's no reason to think that Michigan can't do the same thing over and over and over, which means you will be forced into a situation yet again where Coleman's playing the five and Ty Rogers the four. I don't hate it. I like that lineup. I liked it yesterday for the most part. They gave you a spark. And God, I love Ty Rogers. I freaking love Ty Rogers. But when I look at the two guys that are struggling the most for you, Dane Danger and Jaden Epps, and I look at their team, the two guys that are playing the best, Hunter Dickens. <laughs> Hunter Dickinson and Kobe Bufkin, excuse me for the hiccup, ill-timed. I don't like that. I don't like the Michigans playing for their NCAA tournament lives, and we just seem to not be able to find any intrinsic motivation. That's a bad recipe. So all I'm saying is prepare yourselves. I want to beat Michigan as much as the next guy. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to deal with being the team that ultimately gets Michigan into the first four. I would love to be part of their death rattle and keep them in the NIT though right now they are projected I think to be in the final four you know or the first four whatever you want to call it in Dayton I'm just saying I don't like the matchup and this is an Illinois team that the word that kept being used by Jeremy yesterday was untrustworthy and I think that's perfect you cannot trust them and maybe they come out guns blazing but unfortunately I could look at the last month and that was really the Indiana game was the one time where they did come out guns blazing Second half of the Rutgers game, 19-0 run. We've seen intermittently in February the ability to win games and the ability to hang hang in with good competition. But with all the chips on the table for Michigan Thursday, I am concerned that, one, it's pretty much a wash in terms of talent. Two, I don't like the matchup to begin with, the way they're playing. And three, they have more motivation than you do. So prepare yourselves. It would suck. I will be here. I'm not going to go to the game. I, you know, I, I got an offer for a ticket uh, from my parents. They were being so sweet. And I, I texted my dad yesterday. I said, no, no, I, I appreciate it. But no, the last place I want to be, despite this podcast being called the 200 level, is being stuck inside the stadium and feeling 16,000 other people with the same frustration as I am. You would think that that would be a shared experience, but I got to be honest, from the Michigan State football game to now, I've had a little bit too many of those. I'm happy with where Illinois revenue sports are, but at the same time, we would have to admit that since you were 7-1 in in football and basketball season had just gotten underway, it's been a tumultuous three months. 
it's been a lot of gut punches, right? Gut punches that you only feel when things are relatively good. So there's that, right? This is not the Lovey Smith, John Gross era. That was depressing. This is aggravating in its own way because we are getting that taste of success. But unfortunately, we're also snatching defeat from the jaws of victory a few too many times. So, all that is to say, everybody, hold on to your butts Thursday. Michael says, ready to tailgate for football. Yes, Michael, and I will get more details about a 200-level spring football game tailgate. I'm ready for that. I got a 200-level flag. Damn it, I forgot to bring it in again today. I'd go get it, but it'd take me like two minutes, so I'll stay here. But it's really cool. Also, here from Smitty, the Iowa Kofi teams had shooters and post... uh, but they lacked length and athleticism. This team seems to have the opposite. I think Brad was banking on shooting to improve this season. And frankly, Smitty, I was too. I just feel like you got enough six foot six, six foot seven guys that are athletic that can get open. They'll knock down a few. They'll certainly do better than six for 29. Jesus. But boy, they gave it the old college try, didn't they? They just kept on trying and didn't quite work out. Okay, so here's the question that I asked today on Twitter, and I got a lot of responses I'm going to get to and respond to them throughout, and also on YouTube if you want to shoot your thoughts about Brad Underwood. If you didn't already do that, the, co- the question is this. Confidence level, 1 to 10. Where are you at with Brad Underwood? And boy, uh, I, I liked every one of these replies so I could easily access them, and I got a lot to go through. So thank you guys for all the interaction, and YouTube, chime in if you want. Here we go. I'm just going to go down the list. This is from Brian just a few minutes ago, actually. He says 10. He doesn't shoot the ball. He doesn't run the plays on the floor. He has more wins in the Big Ten in four years than any Big Ten coach. 14 teams in the Big Ten you think a coach can win every year. Ask Michigan State and Izzo. Well, Brian, to your point, I think it's okay for you to have that 10 out of 10. And I think it's also correct to point out that, yes, Brad Underwood has the winningest record in the Big Ten in the last four years. That is true. Now, if we were to stretch this out and do the long play, next year I think is already a very interesting season because you are going to have to replace major contributors in Terrence Shannon and Matthew Meyer. And I've already done the, the trick where I've fallen into, you know, addition by subtraction kind of things like, you know, well, the guy might have produced a lot for you, but you might be better when they're gone. I even almost tried to convince myself of that with Kofi leaving and now you aren't centering your offense around him. Whoops, big mistake. Boy, what I would give to have Kofi on this team right now. But I do think that if we were to play this out, Brian, there's going to have to be some work done in the offseason to maintain that winningest record in the Big Ten the last four years. But we shall see. And it is worth mentioning. Wade says, definitely still high on Underwood. I think this year was always going to be a challenge, but then we beat UCLA and Texas, and expectations went through the roof. Continuity and familiarity are important for teams, and this team had zero returning starters. The freshmen give me hope. Ditto, Wade. I I think Epps is just hitting that old freshman wall. Harris yesterday, uncharacteristically for him, kind of forgot what his role is with his three missed three-pointers. One of them at a very inopportune time when you were trailing by four, and you had to get a better shot than that. But I love Harris. I love Ty Rogers. If I could clone him five times, yeah, the team might shoot 35%. And yeah, all they could really do is probably drive it to the rim. But God dang, he plays with just this intensity. He, he makes rebounding look cool. And he just has the kind of swagger that I know Brad Underwood, if he could clone Ty Rogers seven times, or five times, excuse me, he would. 
Well, sure, seven times as well. But I think as you go forward, he's going to continue to be a main focal point of this team as he should be because he's played his way into it. And I love watching him. I mean, keep keep in mind what he did yesterday when he was on Sensabaugh. Sensabaugh was very pedestrian. Somehow he still lost by 12. That goes without saying. But him against Sensabaugh, very impressive. This is from Full Boda. He really needs to hire someone that excels in basketball strategy because that's Brad's weakness. Dumb, low basketball IQ. Damn, that's four. I don't know if his score, Full Boda, was four out of ten in, in terms of confidence, but I do think it is okay to bring up the questions about whether or not you need a Stephen Gentry-like assistant again. I think it would be unfair to say, well, this is Jeff Alexander's fault as the assistant that was promoted because you needed needed to promote somebody. And Tim Anderson's there for recruiting. Chester Frazier, probably the same thing. And those guys are pretty good at what they do. They keep bringing in talent. But Brad Underwood's paid a lot of money. So this idea that he's Ron Zook and he needs to go out and get a Paul Petrino and a Vic Koning because he doesn't know any better. I don't know. I thought the whole deal with Brad Underwood was he was brought in because of his X and O's acumen. Apparently that's not the case, though. And the one question that we kind of had with him was recruiting. Turns out he's gangbusters with that. So I get your point, Full Boda, but I really wish the answer could come from within. And I'm by within, I mean from his own noggin that he can think of these things himself because, I don't know, he's getting paid handsomely to do that. So I, I just, it's weird, right? And I know there's going to be a reply coming up in a bit about Brad Underwood and that sometimes he can be very adaptable. He'll change things on the fly in a season if it's not working out. There are certain things about his adaptability that I really, really like. And I think he's also going to learn a little bit about this name, image, likeness thing. What what kind of transfer portal stuff works and what doesn't work quite as well. I think he'll get better at that. And we will always be a player in name, image, likeness. And that's a good thing. We got a lot of money in that fan base with donors. We can, we can keep up with the Joneses in that department. But on the other hand, there are certain times where during a game, I, you go into Ohio State. Here's one example. Derek had mentioned on their podcast yesterday, and I think in an article, that Ohio State was like 323 out of 340 teams or whatever in the last month against two-point field goals. What do you do? You shoot 29 three-pointers. How the hell does that make sense? And Brad Underwood says after the game, well, I might actually have to start telling them to stop shooting. Well, Brad, I appreciate that you want them to play and play loose and free, but I get the feeling this should have been a conversation a while ago. Jeremy had a great stat yesterday as well. You were shooting the fourth most threes in the Big Ten. Yet, you were dead last in how many you make. It's almost March. So for the adaptability that we do see from Underwood sometimes, how can you not make that adjustment? Yeah, you should tell them, don't shoot it. Sincere, I love you. Don't shoot it. Whether you're open or not, don't shoot it. <laughs> you know? Jaden Epps, one for six, just shoot up random heat check threes. He made one, good for him. One for six is bad. Matthew Meyer, fine. I mean, because sometimes no one else is going to make a damn shot. But, man, that that seems fairly simple to me. Go to the rim. Go to the rim. Challenge Ohio State at the hoop. Zed Key, out. Okpara, not good. 
Danger wasn't good either yesterday, but did you even get him the ball in the first four minutes? I counted. He touched it once on the perimeter to help set a pick for somebody. What the hell kind of game plan is that? That ain't rocket science. That's, guys, we're going to go in on this sleepy Sunday. You may not be that jazz, but you know what? You're going to take it to the hole every freaking time against this undersized Ohio State team. That's the game plan. Two-pointers or bust. And when you make a few of them, then that opens up the three-pointer. I didn't expect to go on a micro-tangent here about strategy, but that's one example of the madness of this season. Adapt or die, right? I think macro, he's able to adapt, but micro, sometimes on the fly, and sometimes game prep. Whoever's got the scout on this. And that can be frustrating. Ugh. Back to the listener feedback here on Twitter. Nine, says Don. Sometimes team chemistry just can't be fixed, but you have to play the hand you're dealt, even if you were the one who dealt it. Fair. And even great coaches can run into teams with bad chemistry. That is true, Don. I think that this season is particularly glaring on the heels of the Io and Trent Frazier era. Kofi, Kofi was the leader sometimes on his own. I mean, the leader by example, like I guess for lack of a better cliche, but it was certainly Io and then Trent. And then DeMonte kind of quietly too. You, you had guys that these younger dudes looked up to and they knew that Io and Trent and all these other guys, they'd been through the ringer a few times. And, and this year they're looking up to Coleman, who I think is trying visibly to be a leader. He's trying to kind of bring guys together. But some, sometimes it's just a little more innate than that. It's, it's within. And you can, can't really fake it till you make it when it comes to leadership. So, Don, that is fair. Sometimes even great coaches have teams that the chemistry just doesn't gel. This might be the case. And it might be that next year they gel with less talent, but they have a better season overall. And we're feeling much better about it. It will be nice to enter a season with not the expectations of, okay, well, this team could win another Big Ten title. I don't think we're going to be saying that next year. I would love for Brad Underwood, with a group of younger guys, a younger core, be able to kind of surprise us and show his coaching ability. The, the the coaching ability that Stephen F. Austin and the one year at Oklahoma State, we all marveled at that this guy has to be some sort of basketball guru to maximize his talent like that. Hopefully the chemistry is better because I, I don't know if it can be much worse. And this team is just, you feel it. They, they just, they're there. They don't really love each other. That's okay. You can't fake that. You can't force it. And it just isn't really happening in the chemical level. And I would agree with that, Don. Jumzy said, eight, great talent scout. There's a reason that four All-Americans from last season took visits to Illinois where they were being recruited out of high school. He really needs to find an X's and O's guru to get easy buckets on set plays. Needs his guys to save three, four years for culture. I agree with the last part 100%, Jumzy. I think that with this young freshman core and retaining them as very important. Along with RJ, I still want RJ on the team. I still want Luke Goody on the team. Still want Dane Danger on the team. I want Coleman on the team. And you know that I've been critical of Coleman, but I want him on this team because he brings a lot more good than bad. And he's really playing good basketball right now. But uh, I, back to your point about finding a Nexus and O's guru, may, there might be truth to that. I think I'm just disappointed that that would have to be the case. Every head coach needs some help. You are a CEO more than, more than, other coaching positions, but not to the same level of, let's say, a college football head coach. College basketball head coaches can still be very much involved with the minutia 
of the game. And I think I'm just a little bit disappointed that we aren't seeing more of that play out. At least not consistently. Dan says seven. He needs to get past the first weekend and needs to build a sustainable program. Even if you consider this season a success, it's largely on the heels of two fifth-year seniors who played one season each year. Can he win without Trent? I O Kofi. Next year, we'll really begin to say. 100% agree, Dan. I think next year is a big year for how we all feel about Brad Underwood. From Dr. Benjamin Rush. Hello, Doc Benjamin. 8.5, this was always going to be a rebuilding year. The worst part is not getting more tournament juice from the great teams of the past three years. To be fair, some of that was the BS matchups, though. There is no one in the Big Ten that I would trade with right now. To the last point, Benjamin, I was thinking about that. Would I trade with Purdue? No. I would not. They're they're hitting their wall, aren't they? And by the way, when Purdue lost on Saturday, you should have went on Twitter and searched Matt Painter. And this is a new favorite pastime of mine going on Twitter after an opposing team loses and seeing what their fans are saying about their head coach Matt Painter who is by any measure overachieved this year his fans Purdue fans are sick of them fading late in the season I would not trade places long term with Purdue I would not though Zach Eady might be back next year and we gotta do this whole this whole thing over again wouldn't that be great Indiana No, I like Woodson more than I thought. He's doing a heck of a job this year. I got to give credit to Mike Woodson. Huchafina will go pro. Trace Jackson Davis will likely be gone. I think he could come back one more year. Not sure about the recruiting class, but I I don't know if I'm necessarily trading with him either. Ohio State, no, despite what happened yesterday. They're going to have to figure some things out when Sensabaugh leaves. Iowa, no, but what a game on Saturday. Michigan State, no. Michigan, no. So to your point, Doc Benjamin, yeah. We are speaking a bit from a place of privilege right now that we can say these things. And I I don't think, even with the way this season's gone, that I would trade with anybody. Maryland is an interesting piece with their new coach, Willard, right? They're, They're getting hot at the right time. Maybe that's kind of a sleeping giant in the Big Ten. And when UCLA gets here, I might say, hey, I'd trade places with Underwood and McCronin because that guy, yet again, is doing quietly a great job out there. He might be surly, but I don't know. I... I really like McCronin as a coach. At the moment, I wouldn't trade with anybody. Fair. So that's a good point, Doc Benjamin. From Shiboy in in L.A.? Shy boy in L.A. I'm guessing a Chicago boy in Los Angeles. Maybe. Or is the L.A. Louisiana? He says eight. Brad is the winningest coach in conference over the past four seasons. I do think the recruiting could be better. That last point is the first time I've seen that. Uh, the recruiting, pretty good. And I am excited. Do I want to say I'm more excited for April than I am for March? I kind of am. I kind of want to get back to the transfer portal. I know with the Terrence Shannon and the Matthew Meyer thing, be careful. You know, tread carefully. Even when the guys do produce, there are other factors at play, whether or not they will be really successful or just kind of successful. But I am interested to see the targeted approach that this coaching staff takes in the transfer portal. Shooters, shooters, and more shooters. Go get shooters. This is from Alani Colin. Colin, the voice of reason is an outside perspective. No one mentions the roster turnover enough. And I think this is actually in reference to an Indiana fan that said, hey, you know, he's doing a pretty good job. And this Indiana fan mentioned, you know, Xavier Johnson or Xavier Johnson, who might be coming back from Indiana, is an example of a team that had to overcome 
uh, the loss of a point guard. And we lost Sky Clark. I don't think we'll see Sky Clark play another game for Illinois, and that's a shame. What a waste. Not going to compare him to Jeremy Richmond because that was more of a uh, criminal element as he got older, but the Sky Clark thing was a miss. Not that you would have known it, but we'll see if Brad Underwood changes his his methodology when it comes to recruiting. Okay, from Illinois Y, 8.5 to go from where we were to a tournament team being a disappointment is pretty incredible. Can't make a second weekend if we're not in the tournament. Until we're missing tournaments, he has my confidence. Fair. Yeah, this would be the fourth in a row. I'm going to keep calling it four in a row, and that is what good programs do. And, hey, even good programs do have years like this. This is from Jim. 8.5, not a fan of the constant threes is the offense. Seems to have different offenses, defenses, while it shows adaptability, also not an identity. Jim, I think that is a very poignant take there. It shows adaptability. I like that. Also not an identity. I don't like that. And to that point, Jim, I've been asking and. When Brian was here, the same thing. We're talking, what is the identity of this team? What's their thing? We don't know. So, Jim, that was an excellent tweet. Uh, let's see here from the Align <laughs> Nihilist. A nihilist in our, uh, in our wake here. But he says, I'm a solid eight. I bitch about his X's and O's all the time, but I'd much rather have that problem than a talent problem. Brad is a recruiter and motivator. We just need a replacement for Gentry on the staff, and we are set. So I guess the way that you guys are talking, not, I'm not discounting the idea of getting a gentry replacement. That is then kind of pinning this on Alexander as not being the guy. Is it Jeff Alexander? Am I mixing that name up with somebody else? Why do I keep going back to Jeff Alexander? G-E-O-F-F. It's Jeff Alexander, right? Well, regardless, that could be an off-season narrative. Do you go get a guy? Because... I think you have plenty of job security here if you're Brad Underwood. So this isn't going to be like a, a last-ditch effort to bring in a really good X's and O's guy. Go bring in – is Phil Martelli still on the Michigan sideline doing all the coaching for Jawan Howard? I think he might be. But go go get a guy. Maybe Jay Wright, who I like listening to Jay Wright. It was funny listening to him yesterday as he kind of reverts into – coachy come on kid you can do it he seemed like a very positive coach I always liked him at Villanova what I would have given I would have traded anything to have him be Illinois coach love Jay Wright okay this one is from Gas House return one starter and three bench guys roster remade by transfers and freshmen very hard to remake a team no matter how the t- no matter the talent especially in power five Jason says very high on Underwood. This has been a, wi- a weird season obviously something got off kilter and hasn't seemed to go back to where it should be but that happens sometimes that's fair, Jason. I mean, I, I think that a lot of you guys have perspective long-term. And let me be clear, even when I get frustrated, like I did 10 minutes ago talking about launching up 29 threes, I still appreciate the macro perspective here that, hey, wait a second. You know, this is something we can still build off of. And there is a possibility this is just an off year. Chris just says four. <laughs> uh, Rick says, well, I don't. Uh, I think he's a real good job. Let's see. There are a lot of talent issues with this team. None of them can shoot, and they barely run any kind of offense. So I think he's probably lower in the 1-10 to 10 scale. John says, to be fair, it's tough to overhaul an entire roster when basically you have two returners who've played, and Coleman has been emblematic of the season with flashes of greatness mixed with some horrific decision-making at times. Playing play, Player IQ has been lacking this year. Rob. Broke it down into this. Recruiting 10. X's and O's prep 5. In game 6. Tournament 5. Fair. Recruiting. 
10, uh, 8 or 9 for me, for sure. He's a great recruiter. And I, I think that you're probably accurate with all the other stuff. If we can bump that up somehow, then you're probably getting back to the 23-24 win seasons. Dan says, I'm at a 6 or 7 right now. Happy for how we rescued the program. I like him in general. Remains to be seen if he can take it to the next level. Needs to prove he can keep putting out good teams, not just a singular great mini era with two banner guys. Point A to point B, thumbs up. Now how about to point C? Dan, very good response there. I think that I am at about a seven right now as well, or close seven, seven, seven and a half. And just for the factors that you mentioned, right? It's the appreciation for getting to this point. And now it is the lingering question of how do you get from two banner guys, as you said, to the next era of Illinois basketball. Now, you could do far worse than this year. You could be Ohio State, even though you lost to them. You could still be them. I would not trade places with the Buckeyes. But can you find that next thing, right? Uh, I, I don't think it's as simple as, well, Brad Underwood had Iowa and Kofi, so therefore he was good. I think Brad Underwood's good in and of himself. They just happen to be great. And you can overcome flaws when you have two special players like that. But last year, Iowa was not on the team. I think Brad Underwood's best coaching job was last year. That team was good. They really were. But, what, 15-5 and in the Big Ten? That's really good for that team that had... Their point guard that should have been a stud go crazy. I mean, poor Curbelo. He's got a screw loose, and I hope he's okay. But he, he ain't right. Trent Frazier, love the guy. He maximized every bit of his talent that he could. That's why we loved him, right? You knew you were getting the most out of Trent. He played banged up quite a bit last year. You, you beating Michigan State at home last year, that win against Michigan State last year, told me everything I need to know about that team. I don't know if I've been happier, other than the Iowa game, of course, for obvious reasons, walking out of that stadium thinking, hey, this team has grit, whatever words you want to put to it. Yeah, they, they were frustrating in certain moments last year, but the inconsistency was less to do with effort or anything, more to do with they had a goofy point guard. And Kofi missed a couple games. And other than that, I mean, I don't know. The Ohio State game was frustrating at home, yes. And you did need some help to win the Big Ten, but you did. Point. Long story short, Dan, I'm at a seven, seven and a half myself. But I do think that last year shows us that, you know, even though he did have a great guy in Kofi, like you know, once in a lifetime kind of big in Kofi, the rest of that team, while they had some talent, it's not like they were elite. And yet, you went fifteen and five, a legit fifteen and five, and won the conference. So, yes, Brad Underwood is a good coach. Overall, the record speaks for itself, but uh, I think it's fair to leave a few points off and, and just to see where where do we get to the next point here as a program. Because I don't know if it's as easy as just saying, well, we got Epps, Rogers, and Harris, so we're set. I like all those guys. I really do. But you're seeing Jaden Epps might not be Darren Williams. Okay, He's hitting a major wall, whereas Darren Williams, at the end of his freshman year, really kind of kicked into high gear. Same with Frank Williams. You know, these comparative... Guys that you'd use for him, they weren't fading in February quite like this. Ty Rogers, great, sincere. I like him as well. But uh, yeah, I, it remains to be seen. Logan says confidence in him to what? Keep his competitive relevant program most years? 10. To eventually become a Final Four team? 5. Overall, I'm happy with him, and I don't see a surefire better option. Totally fair. Patrick says 8.5. Jacob says 8. We've had great wins against UCLA. 
and Texas, but some really bad losses. In context, we lost 90% of our scoring and our tournament team. It can be much worse. And there is a chance to still have a great ending to the season, but this team has to bring it. Fair, Jacob. Ben says three. He's shown nothing yet to signal he can be anything more than average without All-Americans. While he should get all the credit in the world for the last few years, another Iowa Kofi isn't walking in the door soon, and his team's mistakes are glaring and consistent. That's, I think, something fair to hit on, Ben. When this team has been bad this year, oh boy, it's glaring. It's not, oh, they had an off night. It's, whoa, they sucked. Why? As I said after the Indiana game, does the roller coaster have to be this extreme? That was in January, right? Or February 1st. I don't think the roller coaster has to be that extreme. So that's where, kind of like Dan said, a six or seven. I say a seven, seven and a half. I'm going to leave a few points off because there's just something amiss that I hope is just a one season thing, but I can't be 100% sure that's the case. Sam says a 9.5. All right. Uh, Jalen Galoz says it's a really, oh, well, this is more to the Indiana thing. I'll read this Indiana tweet. Losing a point guard in today's guard-driven game can be painful. It took IU three games into January to figure out life without Xavier Johnson probably cost us a Big Ten title. Just sick. On the other hand, it forced Jalen hood Shafino to become a driving force on the court. And Cody, similarly for Illinois, Jaden Epps has been thrust in that position. Hitting a wall right now, but I think it'll pay dividends from later. Drew. Good old Whipple. Hey, Whipple. I'm an eight. I think his biggest blunder this year was starting with the switching defense, five-out offense. Had we started with drop spread, this team would be a lot more cohesive. We'd also probably be winning the big 10 if the three-point percentage was closer to Purdue, 33%. I mean, God, they can't shoot. It's crazy. Pete, I like this comment. I'm going to hit on this real quick. Pete says, I'd still go seven, seven and a half range. I'm right with you. Peaked at nine before the Loyola loss. But I'm definitely more confident in Coach Bielema these days. You and me both, Pete, and why? Why is that? I think that Bielema, one, has done it more consistently at Power 5 level. I think also it's hard to argue with the staff he surrounded himself with. Also, he's shown an ability in just two years to really be able to retain talent. You would have thought that maybe when Ryan Walters left, things might get a little bit dicey, but no. Essentially, anyone that could return on defense returned. Anyone that could return on offense, returned. I feel like what he's done in two years is absolutely remarkable. And I know they went one and four in the last five, and it sucks. But as I was telling Kara last night at dinner, why I'm more confident in Brett Bielema, an identity is already developed, right? And I think that they can continue to get better at that identity. And then secondly, it's the fact that there was not a single game in that eight and five season. And God, I, w- I so wish they could have been 10 and three. It sucks. I know. I was in Tampa for it. But... Every single one of those games, right? They were so much closer to 10 and 3 than they were 7 and 6. So much closer. So I think that I'm with you there, Pete. I think that I'm more confident in Bielema. I threw that question out there a month or so ago. I I also like his style more. And what I mean by that is I think that there is a less salesman kind of aspect to Brett Bielema. Underwood is the sort of swaggering guy um, that's trying to sell you things, trying to occasionally spin things in press conferences. That's what they do. I don't have a problem with that. But Bielema, to me, has a level of authenticity that I just appreciate. I think he's too old for that BS. I think he's been through the ringer too much. And he, and I know Underwood's older than Bielema. But I just mean that for someone getting this second opportunity at a Power 5 school, it, it really is, to me, a, a guy that is putting his full um, best foot forward, whatever you want to throw out there, I think he's just figured a lot of things out about himself too. 
And these sound like cliche things that are reinforcing a narrative about Brett Bielema. Trust me, if they go 0-2 to start the year against a good Toledo and uh, improved Kansas team, uh, I'll be freaking out. But I, I don't know how likely that is. I think that they may have stabilized already heading into year three. So I'm really high on Brett Bielema. More so than Underwood? Yes. I'm with you, Pete. From Big Phil, I think he means the NCAA tournament in two weeks. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I want to make sure. i got a few more here. Zach says, depends if being in the top of the Big Ten every year is the goal, then I'm feeling like an eight. I think every year you're going to be fighting for the top four. If it's anything to do in March, like a four. Combine those scores, and it's a six. I think that's fair, Zach. And, and that's why losing that Loyola game was so detrimental. We, I don't think we'd be having this conversation if it wasn't for that. That's the lingering effect. Alani fan card collector says people have crazy expectations for a team that returned three guys in offseason where everyone learned new systems and how to play together and were complaining about a fourth likely straight 21 season and another tournament appearance. It, yeah, I think my expectations might have been too high, Alani fan card collector. But when you beat UCLA in Texas, I think it's okay for them to get a little bit higher because that showed that this team has talent to beat elite or really good programs. CV7Omega says 8 or 9, he's showing what he can do with a squad that has bought into a system of doing things. This season is more on the players than it is him. Well, I, I will admit, I don't like these players as much as previous teams, and you know that. I just feel like, ah, man, he's, he's the guy that got him. So if he learns from this, cool. We will just close the book on this season and never, talk, never speak of it again, right? But... It's his program. Year six. I would I would have hoped for a little bit more foresight on his part. JT3 says, eight, we're a prisoner of the moment and not necessarily appreciative of the entire journey. Gross, five years, never wants a single game over 500. That is true. Don't forget that. Brad's conference success has been impressive considering the teardown. March will come. This year has been rough, though, no denying that. Very fair, JT. And Jalen Galos, he said confidence is a nine. He showed he can build a program. Tomahawk says overall eight to make a run this March, four or five. Tyler says, I still think he's the best coach Illinois could ask for. Best record in the Big Ten the last four seasons. He's going to give him 9.5. Dave says, I honestly think he did a poor job of creating this roster. Uh, maybe that's to be expected after having Kofi Nile leave. Still confident in him as a coach and recruiter. Steven says, eight. He's produced tourney quality team last four years with banners, with a couple banners. Next two years will go a long way in showing where this program can reach. Totally agree, Steven. Eric says... Underwood has ele elevated this program from the bottom to a top Big Ten team over the past couple years. Man, we got a lot of these. I'm so, I, I'm trying to rush through, through these because I got dinner time here. Uh, Chase says, give us a tourney pa run past the round of 32, and I'm chalking it up in the win column and moving on to next season. Chase, you and me both. That's it. I mean, if they somehow do that, I really don't care what came before. I really don't. Epps, Rogers, and Harris with one full season of solid Big Ten play under their belts. Nasty. All right, from Tyler. If this is the new four, I'll gladly take it. Uh, Evan says eight, his recruiting ability very high. He's raised the floor. His ability to make adjustments in game on the fly is my concern. Anthony says going with an eight, generally speaking, he's been a vast improvement over whatever we were doing when I graduated in 2008. Rick Morian says I am a 9.5, really like the job done by him. Greg says an eight, but several games this year, squad starts a game in the second half instead of being ready on opening tip, which is a head scratcher. Agree with that. Uh, gosh, is that it? I hope that I didn't miss anybody. I did not, right? Whew. Hey, thank you guys for the feedback today. YouTube chat feed. Sorry, I've kind of abandoned you guys here. My Red Pellow says they lose games the same way each time they lose, whether it's the past regime or uh, players. Common denominator, Brad is coach. 
Not saying I want him gone, just for him to adjust. Okay? Hey, fair. Again, they're, when they lose, they lose pretty pretty emphatically this year, and that is weird. Frodog, what a name. This team doesn't gel with each other. No leader and too many people trying to take over the can't. They're one and done. Nothing is going to change in two weeks. I think that's probably realistic. And King Abbott Man says, I'm so nervous about the offseason. Just with how college basketball is, I unfortunately think there will be a shocking transfer none of us see coming. That, to me, is going to be the story. If we see that happen again and again, the Adam Millers, the Andre Curbelos, the Mark Smiths, some of them we could say, well, fine. Oh, the Sky Clarks, who will likely transfer. At a certain point, don't you want people to stick around? Yeah, there's movement, but there has been more movement, it feels like, with Brad Underwood. So I think that's the big story of the offseason. That's why April, to me, might be more interesting than March. But I got to go eat dinner, so I got to get out of here. Hey, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for all the Twitter feedback and for everybody on the YouTube chat feed. Uh, real quick, DPDO online at dpdo.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdo.com. Also, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. Get a Lennox Home Comfort System. And when you do, you can get either a $500 Visa gift card or a free hot water heater. That is Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing at 217-841-4728. And State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business renters, you name it. Brian is my guy and can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. Thanks again, everybody. I appreciate that. We'll uh, each Monday going forward or when we do these midweek podcasts, we'll open it up on Twitter, get your feedback, and also thank you, YouTube feed, for joining me live on this rainy, tornadic, tornad, yeah, that's a word, right? Tornadic Monday. All right, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy. We will be back Thursday for the second half around 7 o'clock Thursday evening for Illinois, Michigan. It's a big one. I don't feel great about it, but I really don't want to lose to Jawan Howard. Let's see what happens. Take care, everybody. It is the 200 level. 